Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church Online. We're in our second week of this new teaching series called Messy Church. If this is your first time joining us, you probably want to know why in the world would we call these teachings Messy Church? Well, church is messy because people are messy. You know, as we grow in Christ, God causes the junk or the sin in our lives to rise. He meets it head on. And as God deals with our sin and our mess, He fills us with His Spirit. Last week, Pastor Andrew talked about the importance of making necessary adjustments in our lives. He spent time looking at a man named Saul and and how Saul's encounter with Christ caused him to make some necessary adjustments in his life. He adjusted his focus, he adjusted his efforts, and he even changed his name from Saul to Paul. You know, Paul was imprisoned and he harmed other Christians before he had an encounter with Jesus. God changed him. You know, every encounter with Christ requires that we make adjustments, no matter what our messy past says about us. God can still change us. In the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, we read how the church got its start. If we read Acts and letters to churches in places like Corinth and Ephesus, and and carefully you begin to realize the, the early church of this first century and the church today really aren't that different. We may live in different centuries, but many of the same issues that the early church had are still being dealt with today. One of those issues centers on prejudice. Now, prejudice isn't limited to just race. We commonly think of it as as a race issue, but prejudice can extend to any number of subjective factors where you deem yourself as better than another person. You know, believe it or not, the early church struggled with this issue also. There was not much diversity when the church started. For obvious reasons, the early church was mostly Jewish. It started in Jerusalem, so so few non-Jewish or Gentile Christians were a part of the church at first. And when we read about the early church and those beginning years of the book of Acts, you realize Jewish Christians were mostly reaching other Jews. There wasn't much outreach happening to Gentiles. This was Paul's mission to plant churches throughout the Roman Empire. And to raise up Gentile Christian leaders was such a big deal. We'll talk a little more about this in a couple of weeks. But today we're in Acts chapter 10. And this chapter is a key turning point in church history. It's the point which marks the beginning of Jewish Christians uh, really deconstructing their own prejudice worldviews and and really making serious efforts to reach non-Jewish people for Christ. The catalyst for this big shift came when a Roman officer named Cornelius, who, who loved God, he was told in a vision he would send for a man named Peter. Just so we're on the same page, Cornelius was not Jewish. Peter is, and he's really the de facto leader of the apostles, part of the inner circle of Jesus' followers. So you can see what God is about to do here. 
He's going to tear apart what Paul will later say in Ephesians chapter 2.14 is the wall of hostility. That, and, and that wall existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. What better way to tear apart this prejudice than by starting with Peter, who leads the church? Let's look at Acts chapter 10. We'll start in verse 9, and it says, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down in its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. When the vision is over, the messengers Cornelius sent for arrive. They then take Peter back with them. Now remember, Jewish Christians by and large have a prejudicial view of non-Jews or of the Gentiles. I want you to hear from Peter himself so you understand even in the early church's leadership, there were some messy uh, prejudicial discriminations God had to deal with. We'll jump down to verse 28 where it says this. It says, Peter told them, and here he's speaking to Cornelius and his guys. He says, you know, it is uh, against our laws for Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Listen, the game has changed. Did, did you catch what Peter said? It was considered culturally wrong to even be associated with non-Jews. Now, to be fair, God had made several distinctions between Jews and the non-Jews in the Old Testament. But the purpose uh, was for the nation of Israel to be a light to the nations around them, to draw them closer to God. It wasn't to be arrogant. It wasn't to think of themselves as somehow superior. But as often happens over time, even in the church today, lines can get blurred. Teachings can be taken out of context. And the time the early church is born... This idea that you can't even associate with Gentiles was ingrained in almost every Jewish Christian. But what is God doing here? He's stirring up the mess, the mess inside that, that's called prejudice. Things are going to be different, not just for Peter, but for the church moving forward. Peter realizes during this encounter with Cornelius that God doesn't distinguish Himself between people. He views every person every race, every ethnicity, every gender, as equals in His sight. And He has a deep love for all people. Listen to Peter's own words in verse 34 and 35. It says this, it says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation He accepts those who fear Him and do what's right. Following those remarks, Peter begins to tell Cornelius all those with him and about Jesus who He is, what His death and resurrection meant. And as He's speaking, God fills them with His Spirit. When Peter and the other Jews with Him saw what happened, 
they became absolutely convinced salvation or new life in Christ is available to everyone. It wasn't just for the Jews. Peter's going to have a big responsibility after this event. He's going to have to go back to Jerusalem and explain to the rest of the apostles and all the other Jewish believers that Gentiles are being saved too. This is going to lead to an entirely new, messy situation within the church. And it's going to lead to that for years to come. Prejudice doesn't just disappear overnight. It's a human problem rooted in sin. We deal with it in our world today. In a couple of weeks, though, we'll get to Acts chapter 15 and we'll see this play out in one of the most important make-or-break moments in the early church. Earlier I mentioned Ephesians 2. Let's jump to that passage for a moment. In that passage, Paul is writing a letter to the Christians in Ephesus and, and he's dealing with a situation where Jewish Christians are in conflict with Greek Christians. Paul puts an end to this by penning one of, the, one of the more powerful passages that there is in the New Testament. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people. When in His own body on the cross, He broke down the hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people group from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by the means of His death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. You know in that verse, Paul is saying that Jesus' death and resurrection forever has put an end to petty demographic distinctions. God doesn't see you as Jewish or as non-Jewish. He sees you as part of one people united in His kingdom. It's not rocket science. The truth is God loves all people. God loves all people. Some of you re might remember the song as a kid that said, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves all the little children of the world. You know, it's a kid's song, but isn't it true? It's not that God is colorblind. He sees color. He's uniquely and wonderfully made you black or white or brown. He sees your ethnicity. He views your Hispanic or Italian, African-American or as unique and fascinating. What God does, though, is He doesn't place a premium on those things. We're going backwards in our culture today. We're fighting for segregated spaces again in our universities. We're demanding different ethnicities bond tightly together and and to, view, uh, and to view others as suspicious. We're making immutable inequalities like race and gender and ethnicity something to be ashamed of. And in the process, we're rebuilding the wall of hostility between uh, different people groups that Paul says was torn down by Jesus himself. There's a difference between celebrating the diversity of God's genius and idolizing it. We don't worship at the altar of white Christianity or black Christianity or Puerto Rican Christianity or whatever uh, demographic label you want to assign it. We are, in Christ, united as one people into one body, the kingdom of God. And so if that's true, if God loves all people and we're united as one into God's kingdom, then it follows we should love all people. 
Let me say it again. We should love all people. The world wants you to take sides. The world wants you to engage in conflict. Not to see those different from you as your brother or your sister, but to see them as the enemy. The world wants you to distract and to distrust each other. Peter was apprehensive at first. He wasn't giddy about visiting Cornelius. It took a supernatural vision from God and then for God to tell him twice for Peter to finally go and to reach out to this non-Jewish person. There was certainly an element of distrust from Peter's own worldview at play. But we're to be different. As we become more like Jesus, as, as we see the true unity and diversity of the kingdom of God, we realize our race, we realize our gender, gender we realize our ethnicity doesn't make, it any, make us any better than anyone else. I'm valued by God in the same manner He values you. All of us are created in the image and the likeness of God. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean physically. God is spirit. Jesus said in John 4.24 that God is spirit. So what that means is we're, giving spirit, we're given the spiritual attributes of God. We have a spirit. We have the same emotions God has. We have intellect. All of the defining characteristics that you might uh, say make someone human, those are divine qualities irrespective of your race, of your gender, of your ethnicity. We're all truly one. The question is this, do you believe it? Do you believe we're one? Do you believe that your white or your black or your brown brother are equal to you in God's kingdom? Do you see your sister in Christ as someone with the same qualities as you? In God's kingdom, do you acknowledge that being an American isn't any different than being in a Honduran? Or have you fallen for the multitude of traps that the world's laid out to divide us? It's not easy to love people who might be vastly different from yourself. But the good news is this, is that God empowers us to love others. God empowers us to love others. We can't do that on our own. It's truly a supernatural work. Listen to what one of Jesus' followers, his name's John, Listen to what he writes about love. He writes this as an older man in his twilight years, but there's so much wisdom in what he has to say. 1 John 4.16 says this. It says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. As we live in God, what happens? What happens is this, is that our love is perfected and that perfect love doesn't have room for fear. Our prejudice is, is really an irrational fear of others who are different from us. John makes it clear to us though, if we're going to live and love like Jesus, God's love becomes more and more evident in our lives. And as that love drives out all of the irrational fears that, that we have, that it can lead us to love people as God does. We can view them not from our worldly perspective, but from a kingdom perspective. Let me ex uh, share with you an experience that happened at the turn of the last century. It's really a powerful story that explains what can happen when, when, when we take a kingdom perspective, when we understand that God loves all people that we should love all people and that God's Spirit empowers us to love all people. Back in 1906, a man, a man named William Seymour moved to Los Angeles. 
He had tried to minister in Kansas, but was essentially run out of town. So upon moving to L.A., he started holding small prayer meetings. And these little small prayer meetings over time began to grow larger and larger and larger. They eventually grew so large that a a building near the home had to be rented uh, to hold everyone who was coming. In fact, the services were so powerful that they began running nearly 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Soon people began streaming in from all over Los Angeles, then from all over California, and eventually from all over the nation. They gathered inside this building at Azusa Street. On the sidewalks, they were even across the street, out in the street. All of them wanted to experience the power of God's Spirit in a way that they had never experienced it before. The Azusa Street Revival birthed numerous Pentecostal denominations. One of those denominations is the Assemblies of God, which we right here at Radiant belong to. You know what's really amazing about Azusa Street? What's really amazing is the fact that William Seymour was black. He was a black man who was removed from his ministry by a white man in Kansas. But he didn't get bitter. He just followed God's leading for his life. He found himself living in one of the most segregated cities in the nation. Yet this black man reached out to white people, to Hispanics, to Asians, and to numerous other races through the preaching that he did every single day. Men, women, kids, the old, the young, the rich, the poor, the whole world were affected because of this one man. Quite literally, people of every nation and every ethnicity were impacted. Just to give you an idea of his impact and how how it still reverberates today, 67 million people in 212 countries comprise the Assemblies of God alone. There isn't the Assemblies of God without Azusa. There isn't Azusa without Seymour and his willingness to let God use him. If the racism divide could be broken in uh, Acts 10, it can be broken in Azusa Street, then the truth is it can be broken anywhere. It can be broken in Clemson. It can be broken in Seneca. It can be broken in South Carolina. It can be broken in Georgia. Really, racism can be broken anywhere in this world where we let the love of God reign. At Radiant Church, we're committed to living and loving like Jesus, to bringing people from darkness to God's light. And that means while we see your color, we see your gender, we see your ethnicity, we don't place a premium on how God made any of us. We celebrate God's creative genius, His diversity. But we don't value you more than anyone else because of how God made you. We're all valued equally in God's sight, and we're united together in His kingdom. I want, I want to really challenge you today to do a few things. First of all, I want you to invite people to Radiant Church. I want you to invite them to church in person or, or just to watch online. Let's do that over the next few weeks. And I want to invite uh, people who are looking for a church community committed to truly embracing the unity of God's kingdom. Second, I want you to do this. If you're here this morning and you have a prejudice in your heart, then you need to repent. It's time to let it go. Stop with the jokes. We need to stop with the the prejudicial terminology in our language. We need to stop being associated with groups whose sole aim is to be divisive. It's time to let the love of God change you. And the third thing that we're going to do is this. We're going to pray for our communities around us. 
locally, we're going to pray for Clemson. We're going to pray for Central and for Seneca and for Wahala. And we're going to pray for the walls of hostility to fall. We're praying for this church to be an example to our communities of what a united, diverse body of Christ looks like. We're going to learn from Acts chapter 10 and we're going to live out what it means to be one body in Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we love You. And we thank You for Your Word that rings true. That God wasn't just an experience thousands of years ago, but Father, it's relevant today and that can change the life of one person, that can change the life of a community, that can change the life of a city, that can change the life of a state, that can change the life of a nation, that can change the life of the world. That, Father, as we become more and more divided as a world, that, Father, You would unite us. Father, even in our very own city here, whether it be Seneca, Clemson, Central, Wahala, West Union, wherever, Father, we just trust You today, Father, to continue to unite us. Let us as a church, at Radiant Church, love people like You love people. To love all people. To love them with Your love through the power of Your Holy Spirit that we could make a difference, that lives in our community could be changed forever. Father, may we model Your love. You said God is love, and if You live in us, then we live and walk in Your love. And Father, let us make a difference. And Father, for those today that have listened to Your Word, God, I just pray that in our hearts, if there's a prejudice inside of us, whatever it may be, whether it's race, gender, ethnicity, whatever that prejudice may be, Father, I just pray a social class, whatever that prejudice is inside of us, may we sense the conviction of Your Holy Spirit. May we uh, respond to that with true repentance in our heart and turn from that prejudice in our lives. That, Father, we could live the life that You've called us to live and to be who You've called us to be. And, Father, in our nation, we pray for a rest. A rest from You, Father. Father, whether there be riots or an, uh, uh, an uh, uprising over some type of wrongdoing. Father, allow Your Holy Spirit to bring calmness, to bring peace, and for, for, for lives and hearts to be spoken over and changed. And Lord, we love You and thank You for, for those, Father, that today don't know You. That maybe they've listened to this message and they sense Your love and Your presence and Your Holy Spirit is moving in their, in their spirit today, Father. I just ask that as they pray a prayer to ask for Your forgiveness and for You to, to rule and reign over their life, that, Father, that they would find hope in You, that they would find strength in You, that they would find life in You, that they would find love in You, that they would find joy in You, that they would find peace in You and comfort in You, and that li their lives would be transformed and changed for Your kingdom and for Your glory. And that, that, Father, that we would celebrate with them today. Thank You for those that are making that commitment. And Father, we just love You and thank You and praise You and bless You in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong and mighty Son of God, we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, Radiant Church, thank you for joining us. today. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, if you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.